Welcome to Propel, a podcast by Fellowship Pacific to propel you and your ministry forward in the mission God has for you. I'm your host, Jessica Powell, and in today's episode, you get to hear as Elizabeth Faulkner from our leadership development team talks with Ben Hall, lead pastor of Shuswap Community Church, about culture and how Ben has been able to lead culture change in his church in a way that further advances their mission and vision, and how you could do the same in your church or ministry. So let's get to it. Here is Elizabeth's conversation with Ben Hall. Welcome to the Propel podcast. I'm Elizabeth Faulkner from the leadership development team. And today we're going to be talking about culture and how to make shifts that help you achieve your mission. And when you hear the word culture, a few different things might come to mind, but some of the way the ways that I've seen it defined are is basically the way you get things done around wherever you work or other others have said it's the working out of your relationships to get things done. So I think those are some interesting definitions. Uh, there's been all sorts of material published in the leadership realm about how culture affects the success of an organization, including the church. And the way people relate to one another and the values we share affect what we are able to accomplish. So if you're a ministry leader or a pastor and you wanna make some changes to your culture, I think this conversation is going to be helpful to you and, and hopefully thought provoking. And you know what, there's a couple of reasons I'm excited about this conversation. First of all, because it's with Ben Hall from Shoe Swap Community Church, and that always means a good conversation. And secondly, because I've been working on a new initiative called the Leader Culture Framework, which is all about shifting culture. It's about making small changes in leadership development that will have a big impact over time on developing the next generation of leaders and creating a leader culture uh, in the church. So I'm excited to be here with Ben to talk about culture, pick his brain about how he's been able to lead uh, lead culture change and how the culture at his church has helped them to be effective in uh, sharing the gospel in the shoe swap. So Ben, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks, Elizabeth. It's really good to be with you and talk about this kind of cool but nebulous thing called culture. So I look forward to uh, learning from you and hearing your thoughts on it, as well as sharing some of the things that we've learned here. Yeah, um, I'm the lead pastor at what we call SCC here in town, Shushua Community Church. We are a, a multi-site church in the interior of BC, and uh, I've been in this role uh, since 2013, but have been on staff since 2007. So uh, we've seen a lot of change over that time, and uh, some of it good, and uh, some of it needing to be changed. Some of the change needs to be changed, um, but uh, it's been a great season here uh, in the Shushua. Awesome. Can you tell us about your family a bit? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, my wife, Kirsten, and I uh, both um, grew up in fellowship churches. Uh, we were married in 98. We have four kids. Our oldest um, just went to Bible college this year, and we've got two others in grade 11 and grade 12 and one uh, in grade eight. So um, it's a busy house, and we're all trying to figure out COVID and uh and even monitoring the culture in, in the home is, uh, is a tricky thing as well. So 
uh, but we're doing all right. Yeah. Yeah. That's our family. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that the culture in your home, isn't that true? Isn't that a thing? And kind of a fun mm-hmm. fact is that Ben and I went to, and Kirsten went to uh, Northwest college together back in the nineties. So uh, I don't, yeah. I don't think we would have imagined ourselves having this conversation uh, today. Not at no, all. but it's pretty it cool. Is pretty no, cool. I'm glad. Yeah, I love how how God kind of circles things around like that. So first, just help us get into this topic. What do you love about the culture in your church? What do you think's good about it? Well, you know, what I what I really love about kind of how our church works and how we relate to one another is that there's this high sense of authenticity, Mm -hmm. um, a a willingness to be real and to be honest and to be vulnerable with one another that I kind of personally find refreshing Mm -hmm. Um, that, yeah, there's small talk that takes place. um, uh, But, uh, but more often than not, uh, the conversations and the stories that we're telling are about um, real things, uh, hard things, difficult things, um, and things that we, in our lives, that we look at, that we would hope God would uh, would change and uh, and transform us with. So when I think about our church, I just I just I totally appreciate the willingness of our people to be vulnerable mm. um, and to be authentic and to be real. And then with that, an openness to receive truth, the truth of the gospel, um, uh, in a in a um, um, what I would say is kind of a, uh, a very simple and compassionate way. Oh, interesting. So it's, you know, we said that different definition at the beginning about being how your relationship being the culture kind of being in relationships and how that helps you get things yeah. done. So it's interesting to hear you say that that vulnerability and authenticity is one of those key kind of pieces that shows up and that actually impacts your ability to, to for mission right yeah totally like it's it's it really is if if we can't if we aren't willing to be known um and and our and our spirituality um or our ministry is all about knowing god in that it's intellectual or about information um we're really limiting the power of god in our lives and really then therefore in our community so it takes this um intentional embracing uh, of uh, authenticity and honesty with vulnerability um, that allows us to, you know, really experience God in, in all of his goodness and grace. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm wondering, I'll put you on the spot with this one, but do you have a story sure. that kind of shows that? Do you know what I mean? Like a story where you've seen that happen, where that vulnerability led to that transformation. Yeah, well, we, uh, you know, we, um, uh, we we try to collect those kind of stories um, uh, throughout, you know, as best as we can. Uh, I was talking with a guy uh, the other day, one of the guys in our church, and he he uh, just started you know pouring out his heart. You know, he was broken, and there's things not working in his life, and there's this tragedy and trauma that he's trying to uh, work through. And he said at the end of it all, um, he walked away kind of feeling guilty and ashamed that he'd kind of dumped this mess all over me and texted me later and said, Hey, don't worry about that. I don't know what I was going on about, but, but my encouragement to him was, no, this is, this isn't a burden to me. And the burden to me is if, if you're carrying this all by yourself, like if we're going to carry one another's burdens, I need to know 
what your burden actually is. And, um, and it's those kind of stories that we get to tell all the way along. We've, you know, um, and we've got a couple young women who are in our immerse program um, who came to Christ through our church or found um, a chance to experience God's redemption. Um, and, uh, and Rachel and Michaela are just great examples of, of God's ongoing willingness to save people and change people and uh, give them a new trajectory for their life. So, um, uh, uh, yeah, kind of look around and we bump into people like that on a fairly regular basis who would say, um, you know, I'm really glad that uh, the church gives me a chance to just be myself. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that story. And I was thinking that the people that I've met from your church, I would totally echo what you've said is that really mm. does come out in oh, how cool. they in how they relate to people um so that's pretty mm -hmm. cool so how is it has it always been that way or how is your how has the culture kind of changed at your church through your time there you've been there such a long time yeah well the, the the culture was you know there's two ways to see the culture changing right sometimes it just changes by growth Sometimes it just changes even by evolution as the community changes around us. So, so we've experienced culture change by growth. We've experienced culture change um, uh, by our community uh, changing. Um, but there's been some things that we've kind of addressed. So, uh, oh, you know, the church has had and still has a tendency to kind of be um, religious in their approach um, to their own spirituality in that uh, living out their faith is kind of quantified by activity. Mm. So what am I doing um, as a Christian? What are the things I need to do? So worship then becomes about time and space. Um, community is really more about doing Bible studies as opposed to uh, developing friendships. Mm. Um, and so early on in the process of us trying to kind of um, transform the culture of our church, um, uh, we uh, we're intentional to kind of address some of those religious tendencies um, uh, to deprogram um, dramatically and to make our church, to, it's going to sound silly or maybe too simplistic, but we were always a very friendly church, but we weren't really good at building friendships. Mm -hmm. um, so people would come and they'd feel welcomed and they'd feel loved but they, they had a hard time getting into relationships of significance and of value. And so um, uh, we had to make some shifts uh, in order to address those things so that, so that people could um, uh, feel like uh, they didn't just have a collection of names of people that they knew, but actually um, stories, people's lives and people's stories that they knew as well. So that sounds very, like you said, there's some of those accidental things, but what you're talking about is very purposeful, right? You saw, mm. you saw that there was this gap or this, this way of being that you, you didn't think it was going to get you to where you wanted to go. And then you, right. you needed to be purposeful to change that. So I'm curious, how did you go about kind of changing that? And are you, do you think you've arrived or is that still something you're trying to work on? Well, I think it's always something that we're trying to work on, you know, um, at the same time, I think we've made some pretty significant strides that way and, and did so by being intentional. Like we wrote change uh, and transformation into our mission statement. So uh, we exist, we say, to declare and demonstrate the transforming power of the gospel. And we repeat that uh, at every gathering 
um, of our church all the time, then we, instead of just making that some statement that you stick up on your wall, um, kind of centered all of our programming around that. So we, we, we intentionally shifted our small groups away from that quote unquote Bible study mentality, where you go to someone's house, you hear them lecture and you walk away knowing more about a part of the Bible. And we shifted those groups to being um, more sermon-based um, life-on-life groups where the purpose was about connection and the application of the sermons um, was talked about, discussed, and essentially applied um, in small groups. So uh, we were intentional kind of in, at pushing um, those kinds of things. It took a lot of deprogramming, stopping a lot of the activities um, and in our youth ministries, our adult ministries, our children's ministries, uh, and of all our life group ministries, we call that's what we call our small groups, um, to really push into the relational aspect of those things um, and train our leaders accordingly. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I'm just, I love how you, the way you, you know, you started with, okay, well, transformation, that's where we need to go. And then you filtered that down into all the different different things that you did i'm wondering what what kind of pushback or challenges did you face in trying to do that well nobody likes change right so no, um no and and so kind of trying to get people to be familiar with change so that when change does come it's not such a such a crazy thing so you know, you've, we've all heard the phrase, you don't change for change sake. Uh, I've kind of just tossed that out the window and thought, no, we kind of need to be keeping people on their toes a little bit um, so that they can embrace change as far as how church works, whether that be worship services or um, uh, programs or whatever, so that they'll also not be shocked when God brings about a change in their life, right? Mm -hmm. uh, when God brings about some sort of crisis of faith in their life. So, um, uh, we talk about expecting change. We talk about transformation uh, a lot. And then we just kind of keep changing things and shifting things, sometimes small things, sometimes big things, um, just for the sake of change, right? Um, our methodology really is towards that. Mm, interesting. So it's like, it's almost like you have like a culture of change. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, I would hope so. Yeah, yeah. yeah which is, so that's kind of, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's interesting that, you know, you're in your, your vision is really about transformation. And then that, even, mm -hmm. even the fact that change, you're quick to change things even fits right in with that. So that's, I think that's kind of cool. It's, it is. And it's, it's, it's important for even the culture of our town, right? Yeah. Like, we're small, we're small towns. Um, uh, a lot of retirees, a lot of young families, um, and it really is a pretty comfortable place to live. You know, we kind of brag that uh, about McLean's choosing us as the sixth best place in Canada to live, um, and it's because it's it's gorgeous and it's easy, and it, that's what makes it dangerous. So we we kind of mm -hmm. keep just telling our people that we can't get complacent, we can't get too comfortable or we're not, we're not gonna experience all that God has for us. We're not gonna experience the power of the mission. Um, we're not gonna experience uh, his grace 
um, in the ways that we could experience it mm -hmm. if we were resistant to change. Yeah. So there's some way that you're almost working against the culture around you to even create that totally. culture in your church. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a significant it's a significant thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm guessing that's a significant challenge. And I think anybody I've talked to from the shoe shop, they never want to leave, right? No, once yeah, they get there, no. it's like that's it. I'm staying here. I'm not, well, I'm not I mean, everybody wants to live here. Elizabeth. Yeah, like it's you know, Canada is often you know one of the greatest. Told us, we're told that it's one of the greatest country to live. We all know BC is the best province yeah. and the Shushwak is the best region to live in. At least that's what I believe. So you're gonna have an influx, you're gonna have an influx of resumes dangerous. after this call. Yeah. yeah, well that's okay. I'll take it. <laughs> so um it's interesting because you you talked about kind of small and big changes and kind of yeah. um and you know, often I've kind of thought that those small changes over time. Is actually it is what actually changes your culture. Um, you kind of mm. already disagreed with that a bit, so I, I'm curious about what you oh, think about yeah. that. Not necessarily. Well, yeah, no, but okay. like you've said something different, so I'm I want to kind of explore that a bit. So I'm interested in that. But what are some small changes that you've made that have caused big changes over time? Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a few. So um, one of the small changes that was probably the looking back on it looks small but was pretty dramatic occurred just before I arrived at the church when Mel Reimer uh, was the lead pastor and recognizing that um, that people were treating church as just kind of a clock in clock out idea and weren't building relationships mm -hmm. um, uh, he uh, introduced this idea of stopping um, in the middle of a service to have a cup of coffee and to have a conversation and um, um, uh, our church did that. We did that for years and years. It helped us um, get to know newcomers. It helped us to get to know one another a little bit better. And that was the first real dramatic change for the church that allowed us to kind of nudge um, some of the other things along the way. Um, you know, so I would call that a, a small change. Um, one of the other things uh, we did early on um, while I was, when I became the lead pastor was to change the structure of our worship services. So um, uh, we um, beforehand had kind of a typical worship service where you'd, you'd come, there'd be announcements, you'd have uh, a worship set of, of four or five songs, pastor would preach one song to close and everybody would go home. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm under the belief that if we're preaching the gospel, the proper response to every message should be worship. And so we shifted uh, the majority of our worship to after the message mm -hmm. to cause people to kind of sit in it for a little bit and to feel it and, uh, and to wrestle with what God was trying to do in their hearts, whether that was conviction or affirmation or direction um, to really just kind of say, let's embrace um, this time after the service, as opposed to just hearing God's word, feeling conviction, and then just getting out of there as fast as we can, right? Um, so, so subtle things like that, yeah. that I'm sure people wouldn't view as small change. Um, um, we've done small change and big change. Yeah. So when we're changing the kind of the methods, yeah. um, that's what we're talking about with small change. Yeah. Um, we've also, we also moved to multi-site, which was about reaching our communities but also about 
causing people to just kind of put even their relationships in an open hand mm -hmm. and being willing to say, okay, these people I've worshiped with and, and been in church with for 20 years, I'm not going to see, um, we're still a part of the same church, but I'm not going to see them as much because they're going to go start their own campus in Sycamore or Sorrento or Chase. Um, just, you know, created this kind of expectation um, for change uh, with people. Yeah. I like, I love your examples of the small, the small and the big, big changes. Mm. And, but still like those are all in line with your vision. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm yeah. just curious about this, like how, you know, how, how does vision or strategy or goals, those kind of things, how do those play into developing your culture and why? Right. Well, I, I think it's it's pretty important that we not just have them, but we kind of live and evaluate according to them. Right. Mm -hmm. So if, you know, if what we're saying is, is we believe that the gospel can change people's eternity and we believe the gospel can change people's reality, then we really should believe that it can also change our community. Mm -hmm. So um, the change that God is working um, in my life for salvation and for sanctification, he's also um, doing and bringing transformation to our towns. And so um, as we all as individuals embrace that and expect that, um, we can, we'll, we should be able to see it taking place um, within lives, within our community. So um, when it comes to our vision statement, knowing that, you know, we, we exist to declare and demonstrate the transforming power of the gospel. Um, our mission statement being that we're going to make disciples and plant churches that that take takes that transformation into these communities mm -hmm. um, and then evaluating on a regular basis um, if we're being faithful uh, to our mission and our vision uh, and our values as well. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, being aware of always our resistance to change and transformation um, and what that looks like in our church and in our lives. So um, I'll just throw this out there, but I think a lot about um, the distractions um, that we have towards the mission and the vision, the, the things we will look at in order to kind of embrace a static nature of living. So I'll just distract myself with activity or with relationships what are the distractions that are in our way mm -hmm. what are the divisions um, that are there so you know when you're talking about change and implementing change a lot and people are resisting that they'll find groups of others <laughs> who are like-minded in their approach and and divide themselves from the church so so we're thinking about uh, that a great deal what are the distractions what are the divisions mm -hmm. um, what are the deceptions what are some of the lies we're believing mm -hmm. um, around that that you know um God's happy with me the way I am is true, right? God's not going to love a better version of me more is absolutely true. Um, but to agree with that is also to welcome him in to say, um, change me and, and transform me more into more by glory and by grace. Um, and, and so just kind of unpacking some of those lies that we believe. And then uh, maybe the most important one is the defensiveness. Mm -hmm. um, usually when people are defensive, uh, they're trying to protect something, and uh, and oftentimes it's it's um, a resistance to change that they're trying to protect. Mm -hmm. So, mission, vision, and value is really really important. 
And we come back uh, to that on a regular basis with our board and with our staff at our staff meetings. Those things are kind of monthly, but on a daily and weekly basis, I'm thinking about and trying to get our leaders to think about what are the things we're distracting ourselves with? What are the potential divisions that we're finding? Um, what are the deceptions uh, that are in uh, within our church? And what's the defensiveness uh, that we're coming across? Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, addressing those things as they do come up. Yeah, so interesting. Like you, you talked about a lot of things there. Yeah, I'm, no, yeah. it's awesome. <laughs> I'm just going to zero in preaching. on one of them. Um, you talked about mm -hmm. evaluating um, a lot, yep. doing a lot of evaluation. So I'm just curious on a like practical level. Okay, you're thinking, you're looking at your culture, what you're trying to create, the kind of how you're going to work together to achieve what God has given you to achieve and, and this evaluating piece. And that's all really about you know, kind of measuring where you're at and taking mm -hmm. stock of that. So how do you do that practically? Because I find that that's something sometimes in our head, we're like, oh yeah, we should do that. But how do you do that practically mm -hmm. in a way that works? Well, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that's, that's really the thing. So, you know, we, we ask ourselves some, some, some very kind of maybe abstract questions and then some very specific questions. So a couple examples, like, um, at our board retreat every year, um, our staff will have wrestled with the question, have we been faithful this last year? Mm -hmm. Have we been faithful in the demonstration and the declaration of the gospel? Are we seeing the fruit of that? So we do have some measurables, right? That uh, around our numbers, um, not that, that those are evidences um, of approval or of God's favor, but just gonna say, if we are, doing what God is telling us we're going to do. And he's promised that he will bless us and give us favor in doing that. We should see some measurable things. So, you know, we count um, things like worship attendance and we count um, finances. Most churches do that. We also count baptisms. Uh, we also count um, the hot, you know, the percentage of people who are in small groups. Uh, we count even the stories that we're telling, you know, how many stories have we told of transformation where are we telling those stories? Are we telling them in the counseling center? Are we telling them in small groups? Are we telling them um, at Alpha? Those kinds of things. So are we telling stories um, and are we, and how many stories have we told? Things like that. Um, then we wrestle with, okay, if we're expecting to change, um, you know, we ask the question, if we grew by a hundred this week, what would break? Not that that has ever happened, yeah. <laughs> but but looking and kind of evaluating some of our systems with the sense that things are going to change if we keep proclaiming the gospel, we're going to see um, the fruit of that take place. Are we going to be ready for it? Um, so, you know, evaluating our um, relational capacities. Do we have enough room for people to get into relationships? Uh, do we have enough services? Do we have um, the systems that are necessary um, to make sure that um, people aren't slip, falling through the cracks, things like that. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm just working on that right now for our board retreat uh, in November. This year is a little hard to evaluate <laughs> on, um, on any of that stuff normally. So we're trying to, having to reframe how we answer the question, have we been faithful? Um, I hope that doesn't sound too, I, all I'm trying to say there is, is if we're preaching change, then we're expecting change. Yes. 
and we should be able to measure that change in some some way or another. Does that answer? Oh, your I question? couldn't agree more with you. I'm like thinking, man, if you're listening to this, you need to rewind and listen to that <laughs> that whole thing that Ben just said. And I couldn't agree with you more. That numbers do matter. They're not everything, but they show what they show something that's going on. And I remember a story of when I used to work at Southridge. And we were having all this discussion when a part of our strategy for achieving our vision for the year was we wanted to create a culture of prayer in our church. And it was something mm -hmm. that was kind of missing a little bit, which is, you know, not great. And so we wanted to change yeah. that. And we we're trying to think, how are we going to change that? And one of the things we started to do, which there was tons of objections at the staff table on this, <laughs> was to count who, who prayed with somebody on Sunday morning. So we just started to ask that question, how many people prayed with somebody on Sunday morning? And everybody would just like put up their fingers, one or two or whatever, and we would count yep. it. When we first started doing this, guess what most of the answers were? A big fat zero. But as we started, you know, like because we did not have a culture of prayer, but then slowly over time, we started to see people put up their fingers, right? Yeah. Because we had this vision of what we wanted to create and then we just started counting it there was no pressure but we're like if people aren't praying then we're obviously we don't have a culture of prayer and if our staff's not doing it then probably nobody else is either and so right. anyways so just like a little story about that well i remember and i remember david saying that in an assessment i was at once that you count the things that matter to you yeah. and at the church I was at when I heard that all we counted was was money right uh -huh. um, and when we took a step back and actually looked at it we realized we were making decisions not on the basis of values but on whether we could afford it you know because we were evaluating only one thing we you know we were stopping or yeah we were we were deciding on whether or not we would do something on the basis of whether we could afford it I, I love that thing about prayer you know a couple of years ago um we counted hours of prayer right um which sounds very unspiritual and it's not like we're checking a box yeah. like prayer is prayer it's it's not true prayer yeah. so if if you're just doing it to to count it but if you are truly doing it um it should be measurable yeah yeah, yeah. anyways that's that's anyways. it it's an exciting we could go on about that right ben yeah. yeah, we could go on about no, that. No. But anyways, let's it's move, important stuff. Let's yeah. move on. Your church uh, really seems to have de developed a good culture of leadership development. It's something I admire mm -hmm. about your church. You're, you know, constantly sending us immersed students. And um, I know that it's a quite a big value for you guys. So mm -hmm. I'm just curious what um, what's been key to that? And maybe some of your top thoughts on developing that culture of leadership development. Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's incredibly important. Our, so, you know, I'll go back to that one question uh, asked earlier. If we grew by 100, what would break? You know, um, when we ask that question, what we realize is um, we don't have enough leaders to manage that kind of growth if we're not being intentional about our leadership development. Um, so it's become imperative for us in order to um, make sure that people have the care that they need and the leadership that they need that we're training up leaders. So looking and even evaluating our ratios, mm -hmm. how many pastors to people do we have? Mm -hmm. um, how many elders in training 
are, are we walking through so that we can then release? Um, how are we continuing to replenish um, our pastoral, our pastoral pipeline, our leadership pipeline at a lay level and at a staff level? And we've done it. We've done it well at a vocational level and have really appreciated Immerse for that because it actually makes it uh, very appealing uh, to students. And we're, we're starting to figure out how to do it on a lay level um, as well. So um, I think keeping it at the forefront of our minds as a staff team and as a leadership team that we need to be replacing ourselves, that we need to be investing in those who show potential and then giving people a vision um, for leadership and for uh, growth that way, as well as the opportunities. So Immerse is one of those opportunities, mm -hmm. um, um, but it's not the only thing we do for lay leaders. You know, We uh, have a partnership with Miller College of the Bible and we have fourth year students um, spending a year here in, in a quote unquote internship. Um, those kinds of things really matter. We had to, we had to adjust how we viewed even those that um, if it's about leadership development, not about cheap labor. And, um, and it, it sounds, it sounds silly. It sounds funny, but it can easily slip that way where um, we just need to get stuff done. And here's a guy we'll throw a couple hundred bucks at a month and he has to do it. And, and that was just so wrong and, and was, and was actually defeating the whole purpose, right? Because we were making people resentful of ministry and we were talking about ministry not uh, leading people towards transformed lives, but actually doing work mm -hmm. and doing jobs and serving and doing so in a way that um, was tricky, tr not tricky, um, unfulfilling mm -hmm. and, and unsatisfying. So um, we pushed in into the mentorship idea and trying to um, understand um, an individual's gifting, calling, um, uh, and then creating opportunities for them to do ministry in any area or aspect of our church. Part of that is um, lately is emphasizing EQ over IQ, um, really trying to understand those who are in our leadership program, how they're, how they're wired, how they think, um, their emotional quotient as opposed to just throwing information at them so that you know we can say, well, they're competent because they know stuff. Uh, we want them to find their competence in um, discernment uh, as opposed to um, just knowledge. Mm. And, uh, and so that was a, a reordering of that. It's not that we don't value the IQ. Um, it's just we placed a little bit more emphasis recently on EQ, um, which I know is language that the fellowship is using and has actually helped us with. Yeah, you know, we're all, we're all over that. that. We're doing it. We're yeah, I, doing, yeah. I mean, you came to the EQ boot camp last year, which was mm -hmm. an awesome experience, and you're one of our, you know, test test pastors. <laughs> that was so yeah. good. Was and really we're actually, yeah. I think we have a full EQ boot camp coming up in January with about 20 pastors coming out to that. Yeah, it's great. So yeah, one of our guys is coming. I just uh, yeah, oh, just signed oh, up. Oh, that's that awesome. So yeah, that EQ, that people, being able to deal with people, understanding your own emotions so that you can deal with other people's emotions is, is a big deal in ministry, right? And in, in what you're trying to accomplish in transformation, it's like key for sure. It totally, yeah. and, it, and it really is, I think it, it needs to be a high priority um, 
or else we'll fall back into some of those religious or intellectual patterns to our spirituality and to our mission, you know, where evangelism isn't about people being changed. It's about them agreeing with our doctrine or our dogma mm. that matters, but it's not, you know, um, it's not the end, mm -hmm. uh, but it's a means um, to experiencing more of God's grace and the power of the gospel. So, um, yeah, we do a lot, talk a lot about EQ, um, try to push in on some of these hard conversations to have them on a regular basis. Our elders talk through um, care and disciplinary issues on a regular basis, mm -hmm. that kind of yeah. thing. So, yeah, um, as far as leadership development goes, what we found is that when we are emphasizing that, um, uh, those in the leadership development programs that we have or pipeline um, uh, are far more satisfied than if we're just throwing jobs at them to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I just wanna reemphasize a few things that you brought up there. Um, you talked about the conviction that your leaders have, that leadership mm -hmm. development is important and keeping that at the forefront of everything, creating opportunities, mentoring, uh, that kind of thing is being key to creating that culture. And um, I just yeah. want to put out there that if anybody out there is struggling and how to do that and to make those small changes in your church to develop that leadership development culture, we are um, offering a new resource called the leader culture framework. And so if that's something awesome. that is you're struggling with, or you just want to take to the next level, uh, just want to encourage you to reach out to the fellowship office and uh, we'd love to help you out with that. Um, just a final couple questions, Ben, and these are questions we ask on all our podcasts because um, as you know, our vision is to innovatively develop re relationships and resources to propel every church forward uh, to be accountable to their gospel mandate and a really important part of that is our the relationship aspect of that and we're you know mm -hmm. emphasizing that more and more as we kind of go through this covid thing and mm -hmm. so i'm just wondering where have you seen the importance of relationships in the work you're doing um well i think primarily i mean Primarily on a personal level, can I, if I just yeah, talk about that for, sure. for a second, um, you know, uh, COVID has kind of exposed um, a whole bunch of different things. And for me, it's, it's exposed um, some of the, the, some of my underlying um, assumptions around friendship, particularly that I haven't really, I don't really need them. Um, and, uh, and the loneliness of ministry, even though I get to work with a great team, there's, there is this sense of, um, I feel like I'm alone or I feel like I'm crazy. So just having other pastors, uh, who I can call or other friends or mentors that I can call and just say, I'm thinking this, is it crazy? Um, has been a really good gift to me, you know, pressing into Hebrews, um, chapter three, you know, that says, encourage each other daily while it's still called today. So um, for me, it's been asking for and trying to give encouragement on a daily basis. You know, as long as it's still called today, I'm going to need this and someone's going to need this from me. So um, being in the church for a long period of time has advantages and disadvantages, but one of the great advantages 
is uh, is deepening friendships mm -hmm. that um, don't remain stagnant and aren't temporary. Mm -hmm. um, if you're if you're jumping in and out of churches every three or four or five years, you're not able to experience kind of uh, receiving from your congregation uh, love and care and friendship, and and that's been a really wonderful thing to me. So it's, it hasn't been easy. I don't. Um, I have friends. I just often wonder if if friendships overrated, and I have to really. I hear from Christ on that. He's a friend of mine, and so. Um, uh, and uh, and that's been a real blessing, especially through COVID. Mm. Thanks for sharing that. I think I don't. I really don't think mm. you're alone on that. I really appreciate how you said mm. you sometimes feel crazy, uh, both yeah. in that area. Um, yeah, I can relate to that, and I think many other pastors can. So I appreciate yeah. you sharing about that. Yeah, yeah. and um, that that getting ourselves to reach out. Uh, when you're yeah. in that way is really is really challenging so yeah yeah it is and but no one's ever turned me away right you know I'll hear from um, my boy Wes Parker in uh, <laughs> downtown Vancouver he'll just throw a text how you doing today how can I pray yes. and uh, I often wish I was a better friend to him and thought of it more often but it's always rich and it's always wonderful and uh, I'm so thankful to guys like that guys like Sean Barden, you know, who we have a friendship that goes way back. Um, and then to call David Harita and just say, Dave, this is what I'm thinking, you know, am I way off base? And for him to say, yeah, but, you know, or to say, no, that's okay, um, uh, is really, has been, has been a way that God has spoken to me and, and brought change about in my own life. Awesome. I hope that encourages people listening because they're, you know, that's totally the value of our fellowship is those relationships mm -hmm. and leaning, totally, you know, yeah. sometimes we just don't lean into what is there for us. So just yeah. really appreciate that encouragement. And just finally, are there any resources that are helping you these days that you could share with us? Uh, yeah, I, I was thinking about that. <laughs> And I really just wanted to say, you know, the, the, the relationships are the resource. That sounds great and spiritual and, and helpful and all those yeah. things. Um, I'm not reading anything in particular. You know, we're pressing in um, uh, on, on some, some uh, gospel-centered counseling uh, ministries. Uh, I'm appreciative of uh, Gospel uh, Care Collective, uh, which is a ministry uh, based in Tawasin through Jason Kovacs um, on just helping teach us. Um, the EQ, um, things like uh, EQ realities, mm -hmm. as well as um, uh, just being a resource um, to serve our pastors, particularly mm -hmm. um, when they need uh, some guidance and some direction and even some counseling. So uh, that's a great resource. Um, I find the fellowship to be a great resource. We've already mentioned EQ Bootcamp. Mm -hmm. I still go back to that often, uh, thinking about it often. Um, and, uh, and it was such a good week. It was really, really hard, uh, but really, really good. So I'm thankful for those networks, um, and those resources that, uh, yeah, that are there to, to serve us and to serve us well in, in leadership. So, yeah, Great. that answers your it question. It sure does. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ben. And, uh, you know, this has been a really good conversation, I think, and just oh, a cool. I've really oh yeah it. just yeah. a reminder of how you know that how our culture is created really through those relate relationships 
right? Mm -hmm. But it does, yep. it starts with vision and flows down into our strategies and uh, out and through our goals and how we measure things. And I think that is going to be helpful to a lot of people. And just a reminder, if you know, if you're wondering about how to shift some culture in your church, uh, you know, reach out to somebody else in the fellowship or give us a call. We can connect mm -hmm. you with somebody and you're not alone out there. And if you're feeling crazy, uh, yeah, you're not alone. Yeah. And so fine. And so no, no. don't be afraid to lean in. So thanks for that encouraging bit encouragement ben have a great day yeah you too thanks elizabeth thanks for listening to today's episode the culture in our churches and ministries is such an important factor in our effectiveness and ability to achieve our mission and i hope this conversation was helpful to you as you look at your own culture one important area to evaluate is your leadership development culture and if you want to learn more about how to reimagine the way your ministry finds develops and inspires new leaders, you're going to want to check out our brand new resource, the Leader Culture Framework, which is an interactive, fully customizable workshop that you can go through with your team to help you come up with a plan that fits your needs. You'll find a link to the Leader Culture Framework along with the other resources mentioned in our show notes. And as always, our team here at the Fellowship Pacific Ministry Center is always here to serve you. So to find out more and to get in touch with us, visit our website at www.fedpacific.ca.